Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. grateful for a chance to have you here with us this morning. If you're watching online, hey, we'd love to have you in person. Some of you know we can do the 25, 20, are you okay? Uh, 25, uh, 25 people. Listen, here's a good rule. Like if you're comfortable going to Costco, you should be comfortable coming to church. That's just a good gauge uh, if, you, if you need to be encouraged. And, and we're excited. Thanks, Marius. Uh, and we're excited about, you know, people getting vaccinated, people are starting to feel better. You know, uh, sometimes I'll watch something on TV, and I don't know if you do this with me, you, you watch the crowd, you're like, is there people there? Are they wearing masks? And you're trying to gauge what time period they're in in the TV show. Uh, and, and sometimes you're like, hey, people are slowly starting to gather. And so I'm really grateful that some of you are here today. And, and you know, we look forward to seeing many of you uh, as uh, restrictions kind of open up. And we've been uh, helping you Think about what it means that God has a purpose for your life and that our purpose for our life fits in this idea called the church. And I don't know, uh, you know how, how you feel when you think about that, but I know so many people that when they hear the word church, especially here in Quebec, they're, they don't think of anything positive. They're like, oh my goodness, you got up to go to church? Like, that's so ridiculous. Why do people do that? And you know, I think about how this topic kind of makes its way into our life and into our world. And after a while, even people who go to church, some of you are in this room, if somebody asked you, hey, why, why does church matter? You're like, I think it, it's nice. Like, I like the music. It's, it's, it's kind of, it gives me a time out from the rhythm, but we don't really have a kind of a biblical framework for why is this even here and why is this so important for us? If that wasn't enough, a few years ago, one of the most famous artists in the world, one of the most famous musicians in, like, in the planet, uh, is this guy, you maybe heard of him, his name is Justin Bieber. Uh, some of you may have heard of him. You put Canada, you, yeah, wow, okay. Some, some fans, tone it down, everybody. It's about Jesus, okay. It's about Jesus. But, but, but Justin Bieber kind of got interested into spirituality, and he got interested in church, and everybody paid attention. You're like, what's going on? And they interviewed him, and you know, lo and behold, He's thrown into the conversation about church. He's stuck in a world trying to be like, hey, yeah, church. And this is what he says. You know, this is what he says in that interview. You can read it. It's online. He says this. Going to church, uh, you'll see on the screen there, I think. Yeah. Going to church is fellowship. It's relationship. It's what we're here on earth to do. To have this connection that you feel there's no insecurities. I think that's where we need to be. Like I said, you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. If you go to Taco Bell, that doesn't make you a taco. This is Justin Bieber. Now, thankfully, Justin Bieber is not a pastor. He plays music. And I think that if Justin Bieber was listening to this series, he realized that this is just not true. That part of what we think about church is not just for fellowship, not just to hang out. All those things are great. And by the way, I think it's so crazy that this young artist is pressured to answer questions about the church. He actually goes to church and he's trying to make sense of this. And so, you know, I was thinking about this. I'm like, I listen to Justin Bieber, so it'd be nice maybe Justin listens to this series, you know? Uh, this idea that 
for many people, they'll read this and think, yeah, that's kind of what I believe. That kind of makes sense. You don't really have to go to church to be a Christian. It's not like you turn into a taco when you're in Taco Bell. You know, it's not, it, it just makes sense until you realize that the Bible does not call us to be Christians. Just let that sit in. Like, just let that sink into your mind. The Bible does not invite us to be Christians. The Bible invites us to be disciples of Jesus of Nazareth who is dead and now is alive. That means we follow a living Lord. We're not just calling ourselves Christians. And I think the idea that for so many people they miss this, it's that the, the, obviously we use the title of like, I'm a Christian, but if you learn about the Bible and the churches, that in the fabric of this family, we are learning to be followers of this Jesus and to have our lives shaped in his way of life. And that requires people who help us do that together. Actually, we belong to this family that does that together. And you can see when you don't learn this, things that you hear on the media, things that you read about, kind of after a while just sound like good ideas, and I I guess that's what we believe, and I, I guess that's good enough, and it won't be good enough. It will not be good enough as the next generation asks us new questions about what is church and why does this matter and, you know, why do we, what we really believe? Why would anybody waste their time? And let me just go back to something really, really important. I'm going to read a passage again that you feel mostly if this was Easter. So let's do something just to help me, okay? People in the room, you have your masks on. I'm going to say Happy Easter to you and you're going to say Happy Easter to me, okay? Happy Easter. Happy Easter, okay? If you read the ebook that I shared, I wrote that every Sunday is symbolically Easter for us as Christians. Every Sunday is us saying, Jesus is alive again. Hey, would you have a rough week? Hey, are you stressed? Hey, hey, Jesus is alive today. You know, every Sunday we kind of relive Easter. We relive this reality that's like our lives are changed forever if this is true. And this is what it says in the Bible at one point, right on that early Easter when Jesus is with his followers, it says this. On the evening of the first day of the week, which was Sunday, when the disciples were together with the doors locked because they're afraid, because Jesus had been dead, right? Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Can you imagine hearing Jesus say that? After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed, not the Christians, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. That at the beginning of the story of the Christian faith, something happens that changes how we understand who we are and what it means that Jesus who was dead now comes to be among his disciples and he gives them a new kind of peace in a time when they're afraid, in a time where they're confused, in a time where they have no idea what they're supposed to do. Like they're not sure how this all fits together. And to be his followers is to be those who now live in such a way that his peace is evident in us. That the peace of the resurrected Jesus is evident in our lives. This week, I got quite a few emails that made that really hard for me to do. Where I just felt like I have less peace and more worries. I have less peace and more stress. I have less peace and more concerns. So what about this? And how do we fix that? And how do we do that? And there was a moment where I went back to, to kind of uh, something I asked you to do at the end of last week, which is to pray that God would fill you with the Spirit again. And I, I quietly just quieted my heart. I turned my computer off and I just said, Jesus, like, would you fill me with your Spirit so I can live in the truth that you have a peace for me even now? Maybe you need that this week. It's not just like a peace of like feeling like things are going to be okay. 
It's the peace of Jesus that even though things around us are overwhelming, he reminds us that it's not our job to fix the world's problems. It's not my job to fix everybody's problems. It's not my job to make sure everything just works. If Jesus is Lord, as I worship him, as I learn to be with his people, he makes us people who enter the brokenness of our world and watch him fix those problems. Watch him heal and restore and do something that I myself cannot do. And every time I, this happens to me, every time I'm overwhelmed with the things that I hear, I'm like, oh, I think I have enough skills to do this. I think I can fix this. I th-. And after a while, I'm like, I, I can't, this is too broken. Like, I, I don't think I know how to do this. And God's like, did I ever ask you to fix this stuff? I'm like, oh yeah, you never did. And I hear in my heart, he's like, my peace be with you now. Last week, I left you in a kind of a cliffhanger in a story. If you're watching online, you're catching us maybe right in, in, this, in this week go back and watch it or listen to it, is we were looking at a time where the people of God are living in a festival, an important festival. And anyone remember what it's called? Pentecost, okay? And I want to help you understand this. Just if you missed it, I'm going to give you a quick Coles notes to remember. You know, every Sunday and every week, we as leaders here at the church try to think up, like if you were in our staff meeting, I wish some of you, we, we need a camera in our staff meeting, <laughs> so you could hear us talking about ways that we could help you grow, ways that we could help you say yes to Jesus in a deeper way. Ways that we can help you trust God in a new way. Like, we think about this thing, right? So we're like, okay, let's, Sunday morning is the center of this place where we worship. Then let's do something on, on Monday nights. Yes, let's do that. And then let's do something like, let's have prayer on Wednesday. And then let's have something for our youth, you know, and I keep going. And as I say those things, like, I'm getting tired, right? I'm like, okay, let's, let's do something else. Like, I think we could do something else, and on and on. And all those things are helpful. We're, we're going to do our best. We're going to continue to do our best. Maybe somebody should write an ebook. Already done. We're going to do that as well. Whatever it is, to just help, help. But then you read the Bible, and then you realize that God has the best solutions for how to help his people grow closer to him. You know what God does? God gives them parties. Just think about how amazing that is. That God says one of the most important things that's going to shape my people to be my people is they have to learn to party. Now, how many of you, when you think of party, you think of Christian? Negative! Right? You think of party, and you think of like everything the opposite, right? My wife's listening. You know? She's like, are we allowed to dance? Is the music too loud? Oh, I don't know. Okay, so it's like we don't even know how to think that. But when you read the Bible, you realize that God is shaping people through parties called festivals that all have a very important meaning. And every party has a characteristic that they know about. Passover is a celebration with a very clear characteristic. Pentecost is a, is a celebration with a very clear characteristic. It's like this. If, what's your favorite kind of party? Just think about it. Christmas? Nah, yeah, okay, I'll give you that. It's a kind of a party, but it's not a party. You don't say party, it's Christmas. Okay. How many of you are cake people? Like, right, you love cake? Yeah, you might go to a birthday party, right? Imagine you go to a birthday party. What are you expecting to have at some point in that party? Cake, right? You show up, like, you're like, hey, uh, hey, cake, no, no, we didn't do, we're not doing that. We're like, we're into veggies, so we're going carrots. Like, why am I friends with you? Or, or the newest version of party is the, you know, the, the reveal parties. You ever hear, what are they called, the birth reveals? Gender reveal, yes, that's what it is, I couldn't remember, okay? Gender reveal, like, imagine you went to that. What's a characteristic of that kind of party that you expect to happen at some point? You're going to find out what? 
The gender debate. Imagine you go to a gender reveal party and everybody's like, hey, everybody's getting tired. We're going to wrap it up. Everybody go home. And you're like, what about, like, what about the gender part? We're like, we're not doing that. Let's go home. We'll, we'll send you an email of what we're having. You're like, what do you, th-? there's a characteristic that you expect in the party. You know, it tells you what the party is. The festivals in the Bible all have that wired into them. And the people who go to those festivals know that. And they know that Pentecost is a party. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down. Pentecost is a party to celebrate God's provision. Okay? So if you want to remember the party of the Bible, sometimes it'll help you be like, okay, oh, that party, that should have a cake. Oh, that party, that should have this. That party, we should do this here, right? Now, if you want to really learn this in a very deep way, you can join us Monday night. But, you know, in a deeper way, too, you read the Old Testament and certain parties have important characteristics. Certain sacrifices happen at certain parties, right? Certain meals are eaten at certain parties. Certain times of fasting happen because of a party, right? There's all these stipulations, right? But Pentecost is one of those festivals where the people celebrated that God provides. How would you kind of celebrate that if you had to celebrate God's provision? You would probably bring some of the best food that you have and the best things that you have and say, we're going to eat this and we're going to celebrate that God has provided this. That's how you did it. And so Pentecost at the core of it is realizing this idea that God is providing for his people what they need to be his people. Remember that. He's not just providing some good things. You know, I think of provision, I'm like, God, please provide, I want a new car. Like, you know, like, that's what I think of provision. Please provide, I'm praying, I want to find the right person to marry. Please provide, not me, but you know, in general. Okay? Uh, I have that person, don't get confused. So, uh, but, but when we think of provision, we think, how do I pray so that God gives me something that, you know, I would really desire? And you could do that, that's between you and the Lord, fine. But in Pentecost, it's God provides something for his people that helps them be his people. You have, like, if you don't know that, Pentecost just doesn't make any sense. Again, it's like going to a, a, a gender reveal and being like, how come we didn't get the point here? The point is that at Pentecost, God says, listen, the things I'm going to call you to next are impossible to accomplish without my provision. All the things you dream about, all the things you hope for, they will never happen without my provision for you. People who believe in God's provision are always generous. People who believe that God is the God of Pentecost are always able to be generous because God has always provided. And as they're generous, they don't worry because they're like, oh, when we have Pentecost, we're going to have a big cake and it's going to say provision and we're going we're gonna to celebrate because God is the God who provides. Now that you hold that in your heart, I'm going to move to the fact that when the church begins to start at Pentecost, when God starts to call his people together, he's going to remind them again that he has to provide something for them to help them be his people again. And if you remember this, we looked at this last week, like that Pentecost is not just like a celebration, it's not just like it's some sacrifice. Something happens that's very unique to this party. You're like, oh, something's happening that I'm, I don't think we've ever seen before. Like it's new. This is what we're told. And so I'll read it for you if you don't remember. Maybe I'll come back to you. All of them at this party were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. 
Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. This is a unique characteristic thing that you pay attention to that has to do with Pentecost. That at this celebration of God's provision and God's love and God's care, the Spirit of God has come and is filling the people in very unique ways. Now, maybe you've heard of this. You listened to part one last week. And part of what I want us to do is, I don't want us to get too lost, but I want to focus on one thing. Okay, that's really important. That at Pentecost, when the Spirit is filling the people, like they're being filled with the Holy Spirit, there's other people around them that the Bible says are God-fearing Jews. Meaning that Christians, these followers of Jesus, are learning to be followers of Jesus in the real world with other people. You know, oftentimes people think, oh, the church is the place where you go to hide from the world. That's not what the church is for. The church is where we learn to be the people of God with the provision of God for the sake of the world. Okay? And that's where we learn to do that. And so they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And in the Bible, the word Holy Spirit, I, I touched on this last week briefly. Okay? Remember this. The Holy Spirit always means that God sets his people apart. That's what the word holy means. That's why the Bible doesn't say they're just filled with the Spirit. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. The word holy means that he sets them apart. God sets them apart. Now, this is a very bad idea for us. Because whenever we think of setting, this, setting apart, I always think of my kids, you know? My kids are young enough where they play games. And if you're playing something and, you know, you set people apart, they automatically feel, oh, is he better than me? Why are you setting him apart? Like, why, why are you picking him? And they're like, you know, my kids will often say, well, that's kind of, what if they feel left out? Like, what if they feel like that they don't matter? Now, it's very important that when you hear the word set apart, if, and, and I've written about this, and it hopefully helps you, that the people of God are set apart for a special task, not because they're superior. It's not because they're better than others. It's because they're going to experience the most pain at learning to be obedient. It's a big difference. That they're being set apart for a special task so that other people would understand the greatness of God. They're being set apart. All of you this morning are in this room, you online as well, but in this room, this Sunday morning, the Spirit has set you apart. You felt the stir in your heart to set yourself apart, to say, I need to be awakened again at God's provision, God's goodness, and to be reminded of the power of the Spirit to help me be His disciple in this world. That's why we... We constantly feel that. It's not like me saying, who do I call this week to be like, hey, you should kind of come to church. You never go to church. You're learning to be the church, to trust in God's provision for the sake of the world. That's why if you ever force somebody to come to church, if you're a parent, you know this, as soon as you stop telling them, guess what they'll stop doing? Coming to church. So it's better not to say anything. It's until people realize that to be the people of God is that the Holy Spirit himself is setting us apart. It's not me setting you apart. It's not like the government setting you apart. It's not your parents setting you apart. It's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, hey, you, I'm setting you apart. Oh, wow, because I'm special? Yeah, very special. Special because you're going to experience the power of being obedient now for the sake of someone else. That's so different than how people think of being set apart today in our world. So then over time, people start to feel like, well, church makes people feel like they don't belong. Everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome to experience what it means to be set apart for the sake of others. 
And at Pentecost, we get the feeling of this in the most powerful way. So, like, like every time I do this, I always, I feel bad. Because I'm like, we're going to go, like, a little bit deeper, and I feel some of you are like, Dom, no, no, like, pray now and send us home. Like, we're tired, like, can we wrap it up? Is Dom going to be longer? You know, I just want to go, like, just kind of a little bit further. Like, just to help you, okay? Just to help you really get this. So when somebody says to you, hey, why do you go to church? You don't say what Justin Bieber said. Sorry, Dom. Okay, you don't say that. You're like, oh, the church, yeah, yeah. It, it, we're, it's, we're being set apart for something that's bigger than all of us. Church is not about me. It's not about you. It's not about what I want. It's about the fact that Jesus is Lord. And he sets us apart to now provide for us what we need to be those kinds of people. Okay, in the ancient world of the Bible, there's something important that people believe. Okay, they believed. And I have a slide for you just to make it simple, because it's not simple, it's complicated. But just to make it simple, they had this very basic belief about life. To be a human was to see life through this category. Okay, it's super simplistic, I'm sorry, but it'll help. That the body is bad, and the spiritual world is good. Now, I wish I could tell you that this is just a Bible problem. This is a problem even today. There's so many people that are into like, Spiritual things, karma, energy, guides, manifestations, all into spiritual things, and they ignore like the part of the body. So there's this, there's this dichotomy. There's like either there's the body or there's the spirit, and the way you really experience enlightenment, the way you really mature, is you do more things that have to do with the spirit and less things that have to do with the body, okay? That's how a lot of people think about the world, okay? Now, can you imagine how mind-blowing it would have been to hear that the spirit of the living God is filling bodies. People would have been like, what do you mean? What kind of religion is this? This is so weird. Why? No, no. The goal is to just be more spiritual and to disconnect from the body. Not to have more of the body. Jesus is like, not if you're my follower. Because I came to you in a body, I am restoring your body. I'm restoring everything. And so the Bible says that the Spirit fills their body. They're filled with the Spirit as a symbol and a reminder of the resurrection. Because at the resurrection, the body of Jesus is raised to life, and he goes to be with his disciples. They touch him. He eats with them. Their bodies matter in what it means to now be his followers. If you don't believe your body matters, just feel how easy it is to get tired sitting in this chair. If you don't believe your body matters, stay up late for three nights in a row. See what your body says to you. Eat some bad food for a few days in a row and see what happens. Because in the Bible, being the church is that we are those who are being transformed in body and in spirit together. That's why Christians for thousands of years have given us practices and ways to be the body together whether it's fasting, whether it's prayer, whether we raise our hands, whether we kneel. In the ancient church, they would even do the sign of the cross as a reminder that their whole body, their mind, their hearts, they needed to be formed in the way of God. Like, they're so intentional about this because they live in a world where the body is bad and the spirit is good, not for the followers of Jesus. He's doing something different now that requires us that we say, God, Fill us and heal us and restore our very bodies so that we can be those who do what you've called us to do, who go where you've called us to go. 
Okay, now I want to show you what happens as the people in the Bible hear like that the, the, they're filled in the Spirit and all these non-followers of Jesus, they're like, something's weird here. Like something's very strange going on right over here. And I have a map for you. Now you can go to the map and just to show you this map. This is a map that, again, I found online of all the different people groups, cultures that are probably around the region of Judea and Jerusalem. You see the center? Where Pentecost is happening, where that moment happens when the Spirit is filling his people who've been set apart. Jesus said, you go, to, you go wait for me, the Spirit's going to come. Think about how powerful this is. Do any of you see like Laval on that? I was so upset. I saw, I was like, what is this? Are we not special enough? I don't see English. I don't see the English people. There. But obviously you get it. Symbolically, what this is meant to show us is that the people who've been set apart are set apart for the sake of of all these other people. They're not special to be superior. They're special to be servants of all the nations of the world. And God says, when the church begins, we're going to set this right in the DNA of this from the beginning, that you will be filled with the Spirit, and that as you speak in other languages, people who, speak, who, who understand those languages, they will hear about what God is doing. They will begin to understand of God's love. That's exactly what the, the Bible says. This is what it says in the passage. When we hear them declaring, you go to the side, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our tongue, like in our own language. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? That's a good question. I'd be like, I'd be like what is this? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. If I asked you to focus on this, some of you would be like, just focusing on the wine. How many of you would be like, for sure they're all drunk and this is ridiculous? I, I might be that. I want to believe like I'm super mature and spiritual, but I don't know. I think if I was there, I'd be like, these people are crazy. And if you keep reading on, it's early in the morning, which is even worse. But you can't miss that what, what we're told here and what we're going to see in all of the book of Acts is that the people are hearing the wonders of God in their own tongue. What do you think they hear? What do you think they're hearing? It doesn't say, like, what the wonders of God are. Could it be that every language is hearing in its own tongue, in its own dialect, in its own accent, the goodness of God is coming your way now? Could it be that all the people of other cultures who felt like they were different or maybe left out because of their skin color, because of their accent, because of their, their scent, because of their food, that they are be, they're hearing now, hey, I'm raising up a generation of generous disciples who are about to bless you. You've never seen this before. What are the wonders of God that they hear in their own tongue? What do you think? What's something that you would need to hear this week from God to remind you of his wonders for your own life? What would God have to say to you that you would have to hear in your own love language, the language that makes sense to you, the way you feel words and meaning? What would God have to say to you? Hey, you know how wonderful it's going to be that you're my disciple? You know how great it's going to be for you that you've understood that Jesus was dead and now he's alive? You know how everything's going to change now? Because you've trusted me and my peace in the midst of a broken and scary world. Do you know what that's going to look like? There's just wonders. Like I can't even continue to tell you the wonders of God that they're hearing 
in their own language. This is what happens at the heart of this moment. And we're told that as they do this, they realize, remember, what's the festival? It's Pentecost. Okay? It has a characteristic. What's the characteristic? God's providing for them. And He's providing for them as He sets them apart and begins to do something in them. So, if you remember anything from this slide, remember this. That in the Bible, Pentecost is that we're set apart as a new family of God. That all the nations of the world, all the languages, obviously, that are there and to come, are now invited to be part of this family that people get a glimpse of in the worship of the church. Can I just share a confession with you? There's days I don't like my own family. Why would I have to be part of another family? I have to kind of get to know some of you now? When someone in my family's in the room, like you're getting it. Listen, okay, except for them. But uh, most of my family, like think about people in your family. You see them and you're like, you're lucky that I, I wouldn't ever talk to you if it wasn't for the fact that you're related to me. That's the truth. Can you imagine how radical to hear God say, oh boy, boy, I have a provision for you to teach you to love others that are not even part of your family. To love those that you have been trained your whole life maybe to even hate, I will teach you to love them. This is why the whole idea of race and injustice that our youth are exploring with Pastor Michael is so important. Because in the church, we address this issue by saying, as we worship, we remind ourselves that we are to love even those that are different than us, that we might not understand, that we have to learn to, not only to love them, but to celebrate that they're in this family. You know, what? I, was, I was working on the sermon and I was praying and sometimes when I'm preparing my sermon, I work on a section, I pray, I come back, I'm like, oh, that makes no sense. You know, I, I do that. And I had a moment as I was preparing that I thought, I so miss our potlucks. Like just a moment that our potlucks, sometimes the, the diversity of certain cultures comes up in the food, right? You know, smells and you eat something, you're like, I love you, but I hate that, you know, whatever. It's that whole thing. And I think so many times we think it's so beautiful. Like, yeah, just love one another. And nobody tells you how hard that's going to be. Nobody tells you how messy and painful it is to learn to love someone else that you really don't know. You can't speak their language. You don't understand them. You don't even want to understand them. And now Jesus says, I am filling you with the Spirit to provide for you a strength to be this kind of family. Note so that you guys would kind of get along. It's for the sake of the world that you're going to do this. It's not even for your own sake. It's for the sake of something much bigger. Because some of the languages that they're speaking, they don't even understand the language. This is what it means to understand what the church is about. I mean, there's so many things I could say, but it's going to go too long. But remember that part of what we do when we say that the church is not optional is we say that this is the space where we remind ourselves that God has set us apart to be a new family. A family that, this is kind of the way I framed it, you see in the slide. We, when, when, when church becomes optional, we tolerate each other rather than celebrate each other as the new family of God. You'll hear this everywhere. You know, if you're in business and leadership, every book you read out there is about diversity. It's about, oh, be diverse, it's better for your business. And all the debates about diversity are so that if you are diverse, it'll help your business in the end. That's not why the church is diverse. Because it'll help us be better, do better branding. 
No, no, we are called to celebrate the diversity of who we are because that's what heaven is like. And when we worship here, we're really just preparing you for that. So if you hate that, guess what you're going to hate? It's not that hard. You understand why this is so important? When we enter the space of other people and we listen and we care, and we want to hear about things that hurt them. You know, years ago, God, God kind of stirred in my heart something that's really been important in my journey. That to really love your neighbor, love someone in your family, love someone who's part of this new family of the church, is to sometimes understand why they don't love you. We need a generation of people who look at other cultures, other nationalities, other ethnic people groups who felt like hurt and wounded and say, tell me, about the woundedness that you feel. I don't even know if I'm going to understand it all, but I want to try. When we are filled with the Spirit, we become people who long to do that because we have a responsibility. We have no excuses because we have been filled by the Holy Spirit to do this, to be these people, to grow in this way, to mature and to forgive and to say to the world, this is what it looks like when Jesus began to set us apart and drew us together to be a family. Do you know how crazy it would have been for people in the Bible to see men and women, rich and poor, Greek and Jew, uh, you know, black and white, all the national together, worshiping, loving each other, modeling this. They're like, what is going on here? What are you guys doing? Like, we don't know how to explain it, but we were filled with the Holy Spirit. And because of this, Jesus is like, now, now show the world what it's like to love one another. Show the world how you love one another now. Model this for them. This is going to be one of the most important things we do. When church becomes optional, we come to church to see someone we like. When the church becomes the church, we gather to be the family of God. Not just to sit with people we might like. This is one of the most important things. Like I could, I could die after this sermon. You have it now. You could feel that now. And now we all can leave and say, Holy Spirit, I'm not that kind of person yet. I need help to know how to love my family and the, the family of God that you're drawing me into. And this is why the earliest Christians will start to call themselves brothers and sisters. It was a reminder to them that it's not only that I'm a part of another family, like my last name, my culture, I'm part of a new family. Like you're my brother now. And you're my sister. And Jesus is our is our, is our oldest brother who's by the Spirit. He's like kind of bringing us all together. I'm going to wrap up. You're tired. You're like, oh my goodness. Every time we desire to learn about who Jesus is, we have to practice this thing that is at the heart of the church because Jesus was not one of us. Jesus was a Jew in the first century in a messy Roman Empire. If you want to learn about who he is, you better be ready to enter his world and understand his culture and understand what he was about and what he was saying. So if we don't learn to be this in the church, we actually never learn who Jesus is. Do you see how crazy this is? That every time we gather as the church and every time we let the Spirit fill us to teach us this, we actually get closer and better at understanding who Jesus our Lord is because he was from another culture at another time doing things that even sometimes don't even make sense to us. But we're there and we're like, Spirit of God, 
Help us to understand what that means for us now. Let's stand as we pray. Father, in this quiet warehouse now, we believe that the Spirit is at work. We want to say together that you would be at work in us first. Forgive us for the ways we failed to understand that we now belong to this new family. And because of that, we are called to become those who love one another the way you loved us. I pray that this series would be more than just about history lessons or ideas about the ancient world, but that it would, it, it would be a revival and a wake-up call to us to be the church, to be set apart for the special task of doing something greater than any one of us could ever have imagined because you are the God who provides what we need I pray for those watching online as well, that they would sense supernatural strength for them to want, to desire, to be the church, that we would soon be together again, learning about each other's lives and stories, praying for one another, growing into this idea of this new family as brothers and sisters because of you, Jesus, because of what you've done for us. I pray as we go, this week, that you would keep us from the many distractions in our world that would make it difficult for us to trust the power of the Spirit. Help us to just surrender to the fact that you are doing something new now, even if it doesn't feel that way. Stir in us a desire to be together again soon. We pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey. I go home, my wife usually asks me, how did I go? She's like, I'm going to watch it later. You know, she's helping with our kids. I'm like, I felt I was bleeding on stage. We really love you all. I miss you. Hey, if you're watching online, like I said earlier, you feel safe going to Costco, we'd love to have you. Uh, you know, and uh, it's, it's kind of a joke to say we miss you, and please, you can register to join us. Keep praying for our leaders, I mean, as we move through this crazy, crazy difficult time for all of us.